Hello all, welcome or welcome back to And Everything In Between. I'm your host, Mela. So for this episode, I wanted to do something a little different than what I normally do. So instead of just talking about one main topic for like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, I'm going to be talking about a bunch of smaller topics that I couldn't make an episode about because I didn't have like 40 minutes worth of content. So I'm just going to be combining some smaller topics that I wanted to discuss into one episode, which is today's episode. So I'm pretty excited for that. I've never done anything like this before, and I think that I might do one of these types of episodes every once in a while just to mix things up. So yeah, that's what we're doing today. Um, I wanted to give updates on how my New Year's resolutions are going because if you have listened to my podcast before, then you would know last episode, New Year Improved Me, I was talking about my New Year's resolutions and how I'm going to try to stick to them this year. And so I just kind of wanted to check back because it's been a couple of weeks and just talk about how my New Year's resolutions have been going. So that's what we're going to do. My first New Year's resolution, or one of them I should say, was to write at least one time a week because I really enjoy creative writing, but I haven't been writing as much because of school and just because, I don't know, i just been in a writing slump. So I've been trying to get back into writing and that is actually going really well. I am writing this short story and I'm going to submit it in a contest and it's not even about if it wins for me or like if it's even good. I just... I'm just happy I finally finished a story. Like, this is the first short story or any story I finished in over a year that wasn't school related. So I'm just really happy with myself that I ended up pulling through and doing that. So yeah, writing the, my writing resolution is going really well. Um, my next resolution was going to bed at 11 p.m. or by 11 p.m. This is so-so. Eh, I would say some nights I am in bed 10.30. Not asleep by 10.30, but I'm in, by be in bed by 10.30. I read my book and I'm asleep by 11. But some other nights I will be, it'll be 11.10 and it'll just be settling in and then it'll take me like another 20 minutes to actually turn my lights off and go to sleep. So it's going okay. Sometimes I do it, but sometimes I don't. But that goal, like each night I'm thinking about my resolution, like I need to be in bed by 11, which is good that I'm actually remembering it. So that's a positive. Another one of my resolutions was using TikTok for only 20 minutes a day because I feel like by now, if you listen to any of my podcast episodes, I feel like in almost all of them, I've talked about how addicting TikTok is for me and how really negative it makes me feel. And so that's why my resolution was to only go on it for 20 minutes a day. I don't know. This one is not going too well. It was going well for two days. For two days, I wasn't going on TikTok. I was thinking about my resolution. And now... I'm thinking about my resolution, but I just can't make myself do it. And 
this is an ongoing struggle that hasn't just been in these past few months. Like, this has been happening for, like, two years now, and I'm just doing something about it. I'm attempting to do something about it. So... I really am going to try to work on that, and now that I know I'm going to be giving updates on this resolution, I'm going to actually have to be forced to work on this. But that is definitely the main one I need to work on. And then my last resolution that I wanted to talk about was working out or exercising at least two times a week. Again, that one's going okay. I've definitely been thinking about it, but it's so hard to motivate myself. That's the thing. I know in the end, I'll feel so much more refreshed and healthy, but it's just so hard to get that motivation to work out. And sometimes for me, I'll have this motivation to work out and I'll just like, I'll do it like one time and I'll be like, yes, that was so good. But then when I have to do it every day or every other day or however many times, it kind of loses its glamour and I'm like I do not want to work out but I know I should be doing that and I found this big 10 minute workout that was really good and it helped me and I think I'm going to be doing that because if it's quick but it's still helping me and I like feel refreshed and like I'm actually doing something then I'm pretty sure it's a good workout and I know my friend has done it too so yeah but I definitely need to work on that and also, something random I just wanted to talk about is that, oh, by the way, this is like, I just had a lot I wanted to talk about at the beginning of the episode, but I haven't actually gotten into any of the smaller topics, in case you guys are wondering, but just a few more life updates. Um, I've been watching a lot of YouTube vlogs, vlogs, and if you don't know what a vlog is, it's like just videos of people doing whatever in their life, and you kind of just watch them. I don't know why I love vlogs so much, but I do, and I've been watching so many vlogs on YouTube, and I it makes me want to start my own YouTube channel, and I, I'm just, I get anxious over the smallest things, but I'm just anxious that people from my school will find it or think it's cringy or something, but that's how I felt when I was starting my podcast, and now I don't even care because I really like making podcast episodes. So, I don't know. Maybe I will start a YouTube channel. I think it would be fun because it's just so casual and you don't have to try very hard. You just make videos of you doing whatever in your everyday life. So, maybe I will. I don't know. But that's just been something I've been thinking about. And then, um, the second to last update is me and my friend are actually starting a book club at my school because it doesn't have a book club, which is weird. And I'm really excited because I've been wanting to start it for so long, but I've been pushing it off and like, oh, I'll start it later. But this year I'm going to take charge and we're actually starting it. So I will send updates on that and what books we're reading. The last thing, which kind of will lead into the first topic of today's episode, is that we have started scheduling for next year at school. And I don't know how this works in college, like how people in college schedule, but in high school, we start our scheduling like halfway or a little more than halfway into the next school year. So there's just so many course options and so many different paths you can go on. And 
I don't know. It just makes me really stressed out. But it's also fun for me at the same time. Like, all my friends hate that I love scheduling. I love talking about scheduling. But it's just stressful at the same time because I'm so indecisive. And I feel like when I have this class I take or when I make this decision that it has to be the final decision. And I know that's not true at all. And, you know, scheduling things tend to work out in the end. Like, I've never had a class that didn't work out. Or, you know what I mean? I've never chosen something for my schedule that I really, really regret. So I know it's going to work out in the end. I'm just stressed because I'm so indecisive. And this is like my worst nightmare, my worst nightmare because of how indecisive I am. And if you guys don't know that already about me, I'm so indecisive. I I think I'm the most indecisive person I know. It takes me so long to decide what outfit to wear, let alone what classes I'm taking for next year. So that's been a little bit stressful for me. So kind of getting into the first topic of today's episode, I wanted to talk about something kind of interesting that I've realized, and that is that indecision, high standards, and commitment issues are all connected to each other. And like I said, I'm very indecisive, and because I'm indecisive, I have trouble committing to things, whether that's relationships with other people, routines, my hobbies, or just small things like planning an event or planning the date of an event, like hanging out with a friend. I am so indecisive that I just, I can't commit because I'm like, what if there's a better option or what if neither of these options are good and both of these options maybe are good and bad and I can't decide between the two. And so it makes me have these like commitment issues. I can't commit to making plans with someone because I'm always like, well, what if there's something else we could do? Or what if there's a different date that might work better? And I've noticed that I have these commitment issues in my hobbies too, because it feels like when I have these hobbies, I have to stick to them. And I have so much trouble deciding which hobby I want to do and which hobby I want to spend most of my time on that I often just don't do anything. Like instead of deciding, do I want to write my story or do I want to read a book? Because those are two of my hobbies. I can't decide between the two because of how indecisive I am. So instead of doing either, I go on my phone, which is the most unproductive thing I could do. It's actually really big pain because I know I wouldn't have these commitment issues to planning things or to even people if I wasn't so indecisive and always comparing options. So it's just kind of annoying for me how those are connected to each other. And I don't know if other people can relate. If you're indecisive too, maybe you've noticed that you also have some commitment issues. But yeah. Another thing, I talked about how high standards are also intertwined with indecision and commitment issues. And I have such high standards for myself and for other people that 
I keep waiting for the perfect opportunity to come along and I don't commit to opportunities now. It's like I expect myself and some other people to be perfect. So I keep waiting and waiting and waiting for this perfect friend or this perfect person. But it creates these false expectations in my mind because I'm expecting too much of myself and I'm having trouble getting myself to commit to things and I have too much high expectations for other people. I have to constantly remind myself, you're not perfect, other people are not perfect, you just have to go with it and make your decision and stop not being able to commit to things. This is just something I realize, like if you have high standards for this perfect, let's say you have, okay, a little scenario. Let's say you're like me, you're indecisive and you have high standards, so therefore you also have some commitment issues. Let's say you're waiting for your perfect soulmate to come along, but you have such high expectations for this person that every person that you like and you like being in their company, you push to the side because you're waiting for an even better person. And you're too indecisive, you can't choose between one or the other because neither of them are perfect. I think that was the best way I could have summarized that. And I know that someone out there listening to this is like, oh my god, that's me. And that's kind of me too. And it's just so frustrating because I know that there is no perfect person, there's no perfect friend, there's no perfect version of myself. But I just can't force myself to make decisions and stop wavering between two things, you know? So that's just a frustration for me. And honestly, I don't know if I have any advice for that because I'm going through the same thing myself. So I I don't know if I have any advice for that. But another thing that I noticed is even my friend noticed this. My friend, if she's listening to, to this right now, She pointed out that I have commitment issues between people, between hobbies, whatever. And I'm starting to think about this. I'm like, okay, well, why would she say this? So I'm thinking, in TV shows and books, whenever there's like a main love interest between the main character and another character, I always enjoy the chase, quote unquote, to per se, the chase of the two characters versus when they're actually together and they've actually confessed their love. And it's so weird because you should like it when your two favorite characters are finally together, you've shipped them for so long, now it's like a dream come true. But I like it better when they didn't know if they liked each other and it was like the chase one after the other and it's just so much more interesting to me and it's just, I don't know what it is, but my friend was like, Mayla, you have <laughs> some commitment issues if you like that better. You can't commit to people or anything, which is true because, again, also indecisive. But I just thought that was really interesting how your preferences in books and movies are also kind of connected to some problems, or not even problems, just things about your personality, traits about your personality. So I just thought that was really interesting. The other thing I wanted to talk about, I was planning on talking about this at the end of the episode, 
but I really am just eager to talk about it now. So the other thing I want to talk about is that how behavior, human behavior, can be conditioned. And I was learning about this. I'm taking a psychology class right now, and it's really interesting. I've mentioned a lot how I love psychology, so this class is right up my alley. But we were doing this research assignment for psychologists, and I forget what his first name was. It might be John, I forget, but his last name was Watson. And he conducted this psychological experiment called the Little Albert Experiment. And I'm just going to kind of go over the synopsis of this experiment. And maybe if you're, when you're done listening to this episode, you might want to Google it. It was really, really interesting. So basically, through this experiment, the psychologist Watson learned that behavior can be conditioned. And how he learned this, he kind of had this hypothesis, but he had to prove it first. And so he takes this 11-month-old baby, Albert, hence the name Little Albert. He takes Albert and he collects some neutral stimuli. Neutral stimuli are things Albert is not afraid of. So Albert is petting this rat, dog, rabbit, cotton, or I'm pretty sure, and a few other things. And it is proven he's not afraid of them because he's petting them, he's fine being near them. So the psychologist knows that he's not afraid of them. So then he wants to see if he can condition Albert to be afraid of the things he wasn't afraid of in the beginning. So he does this by banging a hammer against this metal... I think it was a pole or something. He bangs this hammer against this metal thing. And he does this when he hands Albert the rat. And so Albert associates the scary sound of the hammer hitting the metal with the rat. So every time the psychologist hands Albert the rat, he bangs the hammer on the metal pole. And so then, once he's done this about seven times, I'm pretty sure... He gives Albert the rat without banging the hammer, and Albert shows signs of intense fear. He's crawling away from the rat, he is crying, and he almost fell off the table because he was trying to get away from the rat. He was terrified of it. And that was really interesting because, if you recall, that was one of his neutral stimuli. He wasn't afraid of this rat to begin with, but because of these negative experiences associated with this rat he knows that when he would hold it there would always be this terrifying metal or this terrifying loud noise on metal and because he's so terrified of that it's applied to him that when he holds this rat he thinks that noise he associates that scary noise with the rat so now he's still afraid of the rat so it showed that these irrational fears can be conditioned into him Then, further along in the experiment, Watson wanted to see if his fear of the rat could be generalized to being afraid of white, fuzzy things. So he presented him with a fuzzy mask, with a fuzzy white dog, with a fuzzy white rabbit, and even with his own hair. And each time, he was terrified. He would start screaming and crying and crawling away because he has this associated horrible trauma with 
these white fuzzy things. And so now every time there are white fuzzy things near him, he is terrified because he has these horrible memories with them. And so it was really interesting. And it was also really unethical because it was a little baby and he unfortunately was never unconditioned to not be afraid of these things. So it was really sad. But the main takeaway from this is that behavior can be conditioned. Now, whether our behavior is from our environment, is learned from our environment, or our memories associated with these stimuli, or whether our behavior is just part of our genetics and we get it from our parents, that is a debate. But the main takeaway was that behavior can be conditioned. So it reminded me, it led me to think, okay, this obviously, this makes a lot of sense. They went through this experiment. It makes sense to me. So how can I apply this to my own life? And I realized that this same exact thing has happened to me, not in the same way with a hammer being struck on metal, but the same effect has happened to me. And let me explain. So I did Taekwondo when I was younger and my Taekwondo instructor, my Taekwondo instructor, he was kind of an intense guy and he would punish you if you were late. If you were even one second late, he would make you run and do push-ups and kind of yell at you. And I was terrified of being late. Before this, I was never scared of being late. Like, that wasn't, obviously I didn't want to be late to things, but I wasn't obsessed with being on time. So when I get there a little late, he starts making you do push-ups and running and physical, strenuous physical activity. And he also yells at you for being late. And he makes it clear that being late to Taekwondo is not accepted. It's not tolerated. And because I knew that every time I was late, I would have to do push-ups and run and be yelled at, I associated being late with these horrible negative experiences. And because of that, it changed my behavior. I became obsessed with being on time. I would freak out if I was even one second late. I would always want to be on time. And not just to Taekwondo, every place I went, I would want to be on time. I was never like that before. I was chill about it. But now, even still today, I'm obsessed with being on time and I hate being late to places because being late stresses me out. If I know I'm going to be late somewhere, I get stressed out because I know I feel like there's going to be punishments and consequences. And the same exact thing happened with me as it did with little Albert. My behavior, my fear of being late was conditioned through punishment and negative associations with being late. And that was just really interesting to me because I actually connected this psychological experiment to my own life and the same thing happened. And we were doing these research projects and I know other kids in my class were just taking it to fill up their schedule or whatever, but I thought that this was so interesting and I really enjoyed researching this experiment. And it was really interesting how it can actually be applied to my own life. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh my god, this experiment can be applied to my life too. Because I have 
an irrational fear of spiders, and I'm saying this in a scenario, but I have an irrational fear of spiders as well. I have an irrational fear of spiders, and I remember when I was younger, a spider nest hatched over me in my room and like crawled in my bed and some and stuff and it was terrifying and from then on I've been terrified of spiders that is kind of a similar thing you know you've been conditioned through punishment and through negative memories to be afraid of something that previously wasn't scary to you so that was also interesting and Watson said that our other emotions like sadness joy disgust shock, they can all be learned through other experiences. So feeling nostalgic over childhood toys because you have these memories associated with these childhood toys and it leads to a feeling of nostalgia because of those memories when you were younger playing with the toys and it makes you feel sad, right? So that's just an example how our behavior and our emotions can be learned again from our past experiences. So that whole psychological experiment was really interesting to me, and I just really wanted to talk about it. The third topic I want to discuss in this episode is how music has a direct connection to our personality and our mood. And I'm thinking about this, and I play volleyball, and before a volleyball game, we usually have a playlist that we play over the speakers and it's usually hype music to get you going get your blood rushing and when we're just doing warm-ups without the music and there's no people in the crowd it's kind of just blah it's just empty I'm still excited to play but I'm just I'm not that motivated because there's nothing there to motivate me or to change my mood but as soon as they turn the playlist on and you have this music with this up with this fast beat and kind of this hype music it changes my mood completely in just 10 seconds it makes me feel confident excited ready to go it makes me feel like i want to move around i want to play and that's so interesting to me because at schools when we were on away games and they didn't have they didn't have music, I would feel so much less motivated to play versus when they did have music, I would be hyped up, ready to go, energized. So I realized that music has this direct connection to my mood. And the type of music I'm listening to influences my mood. And vice versa, music has an influence on my mood, but also when I'm in a bad mood, I often find myself wanting music to correlate with that mood, wanting angry songs or sad songs to correlate with my feelings of sadness or anger. It's just interesting how music is so connected to how we feel. And like I said, again, when I'm listening to certain music, it completely changes my mood. Listening to music with a powerful upbeat makes me feel confident, and it just has such a huge influence on my psychological state. When I said music has a direct connection to our personality, I was thinking about my friends and the music that they listen to compared to the music I listen to. And I realized my friends that I have the most in common with, that are most like me, 
we listen to very similar music. Whether that's the same artist, same genre, or same type of playlist, we listen to very similar music. And then when I compare my music I listen to to my friends that have different personalities than me, we listen to very different music. You know, they might listen to completely different genres and artists, and I listen to the opposite type. That doesn't mean I don't get along with these friends, it just means that we don't have the same personality. We're still friends, but we're not similar people, you know what I mean? And it's interesting because almost always they listen to different types of music than me. When I have friends that are more outgoing, because I'm not super outgoing, when I have friends that are more outgoing, they listen to similar music, those outgoing friends listen to similar music, but combined they listen to opposite music from me. And I don't know if that's just with my life, and maybe that's just a trend I've noticed with me, and it's just a coincidence, but I don't know, maybe that can apply to other people's lives as well. Maybe you notice the people you relate to the most listen to music similar as yours. That's just what I noticed. I found it really interesting. And I actually have like 15 playlists on Apple Music, and I have playlists like playlists for when I'm sad, playlists for when I'm in the car with my friends and we want to scream at the top of our lungs, playlists for when I'm making pancakes in the morning, playlists for when I want to feel confident. I have all these playlists because I know they can influence my mood. And I know that when it's the morning and I'm kind of in a good mood, I just woke up, I want to listen to a playlist or to music that reflects my mood and my situation. So it just has such a direct connection to how we feel and really a huge influence on our personality. The next thing I wanted to discuss, I think this is interesting and I want I want to explain myself because this is going to sound kind of weird. Like, what do you mean? It's only a bad thing. And I want to talk about how jealousy can be both a good and a bad thing. Now, obviously, jealousy is a bad thing because it really just changes our personality. When you're jealous of someone, you will go to extreme lengths to improve your own life and become like them in a way. At least I I do. When I'm jealous of someone, I want to be like them. And it changes my personality because... I don't even realize like what I'm doing trying to act like this person because I'm jealous of the way they live. I don't even realize what I'm doing is crazy. Like why are you changing your personality or trying to change who you are because another person has that personality and seems to live a successful life? Why are you doing that? Jealousy completely changes our personality and it almost blinds us from making rational decisions For example, if I saw someone on social media who is really beautiful, very attractive, it makes me be like, okay, how can, how can I look like them? How can I do my makeup to look like them? Or how can I act with the confidence they have? And it completely blinds me and it makes me obsessed almost with being like this person 
And then a couple weeks later, I'm looking back and I'm like, this is the everyday regular person. Why was I so obsessed with trying to be like them? It just completely blinds us from making these rational decisions and it really changes how we act. It takes over our whole mind and it it just blinds us completely. Another reason jealousy is a bad thing. I know we can all agree jealousy is definitely a bad thing, but I just kind of wanted to go through why because I'm going to counteract that when I say why it's a good thing. It's also a bad thing because, again, like I said, I don't see how I'm acting. I don't see I'm acting irrationally and my jealousy is blinding me. But I feel like jealousy can also make us meaner people. You know, when you're jealous of someone, you tend to bring them down to make them feel less of a person because when you make them less of a person, when you maybe don't compliment them or, you know, act snippy with them to try to make their quality of life worse, it makes us feel better to say, well, this person I'm jealous of, their life isn't going so well for them right now, so I shouldn't be that jealous of them. And at least for me, I noticed that it's happened that's happened in my life before. I've seen other people do it and I've seen myself do it, which is again kind of a bad thing, but we've all been jealous of people before and I think this is kind of a universal way of how we act when we're jealous. It just makes us mean. We say mean things because our jealousy is blinding us and you know, it's just it's frustrating. Because we don't know how we're acting when we're jealous of people. But then like a week later when we've calmed down and we see how we acted, it's like, wow, I can't believe I acted like that or said those things. That was really mean. So jealousy is definitely a bad thing. However, I do think there is like one main thing about jealousy that makes it also a good thing. It's mostly a bad quality, but it's also good. Because jealousy pushes us to change our life. You know, if you see someone with this life, they seem to have their act together, they know where they're going, they have a plan for their future, whatever. And that makes you jealous because you want to be in control. You want to take charge of your own life. Because of that jealousy for this person and their life, that influence us to change our own life. You know, we want our life to be like theirs, so we're going to try and change it. And it just, it forces us to better ourselves because we want that end, we want that same end result. We want to be as fit as them or as in shape as them. So that inspires us to start exercising. And that's a good thing because jealousy can push us to do something about our situation. But like I said at the beginning of this little topic, if our only reason for becoming a better person is jealousy, then it won't work. It makes you completely try to change your life to be like this other person, and it kind of blinds us from seeing what we actually want inside. Do I really want to be like this, or do I really want to be healthy and fit? Or do I just want to look like this person? Do I just want to be perceived like this person is perceived by others? 
So you just kind of have to question when you want to better yourself because of jealousy. Is jealousy your only reason for wanting to have different routines or become a better person? Or is there another reason of your own? Do you actually want to make yourself better? Because if there's another reason, then it'll work. You have your own reasons for trying to better yourself and you're not just doing it because you see someone else with that lifestyle. There has to be this other goal, your own goal. If the only reason is jealousy for trying to better yourself, then it won't work because it's artificial. You don't actually care. You just want to look like this person or act like this person. So that's kind of the thing that I've been thinking about with jealousy. And, you know, take it as you will. I have a couple more things I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about crying. And this is this is going to sound kind of silly, kind of weird. But honestly, I think crying is one of the best things that you can do for yourself when you are stressed out or when you are just done. Crying is the biggest stress reliever, anxiety reliever. It is so important and normal to cry no matter what gender you are, no matter what age you are. If you think, oh, I'm, I have to be strong, I have to, you know, I'm not supposed to cry, especially I feel like there's this stigma around boys and men that they aren't supposed to cry because crying is a sign of quote-unquote emotional weakness. Crying is a sign of strength, of allowing yourself to fall apart for a little bit and knowing that's okay because you're gonna recover and you'll be back, you'll bounce back, it's gonna be okay. But emotional strength is knowing it is okay for me to have a breakdown, like that's fine. Because in the end, I will be able to recover from that and I will be able to push forward. And I feel like that's the most important thing that needs to be recognized about crying. It's really the opposite of emotional weakness. Emotional weakness is keeping everything bottled up because you believe crying is weak or you believe crying is a waste of time. It is not a waste of time. It really relieves my stress and anxieties because I'm just letting myself fall apart and taking a break and just saying, yeah, I'm not okay right now. My situation is not okay right now. But I accept that and I know that it's okay for me to not be okay. And like I said, no one should feel ashamed of crying. Bottling up our emotions still leads to a breakdown eventually. You know, maybe you haven't cried in a year or X amount of time. But bottling up our emotions eventually, maybe even after a long time, it'll lead to a breakdown. But this breakdown will be 10 times bigger because we didn't allow ourselves to just fall apart, take a break, accept we're stressed and we're anxious and know that's okay. We just kept bottling up our emotions, trying to pretend everything's fine. And then when you really have so much you've been carrying on your shoulders, so many burdens on your back, you have a breakdown and it's 10 times bigger because of you didn't allow yourself to take those breaks. So that's really why crying is essential 
you have to cry. And I'm not saying every day, oh, my pizza fell on the floor, let me go cry for 45 minutes. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you should cry every day. But I am saying when you're stressed or when you have a lot to deal with, let yourself cry. Because it really does relieve that stress and it just gives yourself a break. And I I'm, I don't really cry over a lot of stuff. But, you know, when I'm stressed about friends or my school or my future or I'm just frustrated about a situation in general, then I actually look forward to crying because I know that when I'm done crying, I'll feel slightly more relieved of my stress. And I'm not saying when you cry, all your problems go away. I'm just saying that it does relieve some of that stress because it's just giving yourself a break. So that's just the main takeaway from crying. It's important to cry. You know, crying is an important experience. And if we don't cry, then, you know, everything is bottled up inside and it just it just piles on and piles on. And it's 10 times worse when that time has come for you to just drop everything and have a breakdown. So no one should be ashamed of crying. The last thing I want to talk about in this episode that is kind of, it's kind of been difficult for me to realize this. It's been difficult for me to accept this and for me to follow through with this. And that is being able to say no. Being able to say no is so important. Not only are you voicing your opinions, but also you're standing up for yourself and you are really, you're doing what you want. Being able to say no is, it's just so important. And it's really hard because I know sometimes when someone's asking too much of you, but they really want you to do something, you feel like you should say yes. You feel like this person really, really wants me to do something. I should say yes wrong. You should not say yes. If you are handling more than you can balance or someone is asking you to sign up for a class or a club that you don't want to commit to, just say no. You know best. You know what you can handle. You know what you really want to do. If you don't want to do something, then you have to say no. You have to stand up for yourself And let the other person know, I really don't want to do this. And I'm not going to be sorry about it because I don't, this is a class you want to do. I don't want to sign up for this class. And if I'm signing up for it, it's not for myself, it's for you. And if you're doing, making decisions for other people and not because you want to, that's kind of a problem. And I'm not saying that, you know, when someone's like, oh, my dog died, will you come to his funeral or something? Like, obviously, being able, you don't say, no, I'm not going because I don't want to. You know, that's different. Situations where saying no is rude is different. But when people ask you to do things that are optional, that you don't have to do, and you feel like you should say yes, that is a problem. That is something you should confidently be able to say, I'm sorry, but I'm not interested in this right now. It's too much. I can't handle another thing on my plate. So, you know, I'm not going to do that. 
If someone asks you to hang out, don't feel pressured to say yes. It's okay to say no because we just can't handle it. And I watched this TED talk about being able to say no and how important it is. And it really just changed my perspective on this because I'm the type of person who is a little bit nervous to say, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, it makes me a little bit like, oh, are they going to be mad at me? But this TED talk kind of changed my perspective on that. It made me realize that your opinions and how comfortable you are with doing something another person asks is incredibly important. And you have to really want to do something or it's not worth it. If you don't want to sign up for this class, then don't sign up. You know, you can't make your decisions because another person really wants you to do something. That's just the main takeaway from that. And my advice to you guys, if you're listening to this and you're kind of like me, you have this problem where you're just afraid to say no to people when people ask you of something. Just know that they won't be mad at you for saying no if they're really a good person. That is basically my takeaway from that. That's all I want to discuss in today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed kind of the different topics, the mini topics. I might do an episode like this from time to time because I think it was really fun to be able to talk about a bunch of different things that have been on my mind or that I've been wanting to talk about. So I definitely think I'm going to do that more often. If you guys want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I would appreciate that so much. And you can follow at and everything in between on Instagram for more updates. And yeah, that's all I have for this week. Thanks for listening. See you next time.